You better pour yourselves a dark, mild, or some whiskey. We're back for another episode of By Order of the Peaky Blinders, a podcast breaking down every single episode, spoiler-free, of the 1920s family gang drama on Netflix and BBC. I'm your host, Daniel Gilman. And I'm Josh Levy, and this is episode five of the first season. This was an episode that felt like a season finale, but oh boy, oh boy, we've got one more. But before we dive in, please take a minute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Peaky Podcast. Go follow us on Twitter at By Order of Peaky. And as always, click that subscribe or follow button. Remember, you can send us feedback via email at bootpeakyblinders at gmail.com or just messaging or commenting on our Twitter or Facebook posts. Josh, we've got a few messages and a correction to read today. I love when we have our fans comment. And Lorna from Litchfield, who has listened to every single podcast, she loves the way that we say Birmingham, but makes fun of us because she says the H is silent. It's just Birmingham. Did not know that. I guess as I keep, keep on watching, I realized Tommy just goes Birmingham. And I thought it was just, you know, a way of, of how we talked. And I didn't know that was the actual correct way, but I guess so. Thank you, uh, Lorna. Yeah, we'll try to say Birmingham more. And Leslie also enjoys the podcast, but corrects me as I say Tommy's flashbacks were in caves. Instead, him and Freddie and Danny were actually in tunnels underneath the battlefield. Just another uh, little correction for us. Caves, different than tunnels, obviously. And we'll learn a lot more about Tommy's flashbacks as we keep going. And then lastly, an unnamed fan sent us a link, Josh, to the Peaky Blinders Wikipedia fan page answering our question from last week, asking how old John was. It's listed that John was born in 1895, which would make him 24 years old. Oh, kind of rough to have those uh, four kids running around. It makes sense that he's 24. Kind of puts into perspective, uh, perspective maybe the ages of Tommy and Arthur a little bit. But I, I, I would say that's about that's that's pretty realistic that John's 24. But four kids, man. Lost a wife, four kids at 24. Rough life for uh, Johnny boy. Yeah, Johnny's looking for a new wife. We'll see if he finds one. And a few announcements here for you peaky heads. A lot of you probably know that the new season, season five, airs on BBC August 25th, Sunday night at 9 p.m. London time. They've also announced the bonus that episode two will be airing the next night, August 26th at 9.30 local time. So, man, they are just going to be cranking out two of the first six episodes. In addition, for those Americans and international fans not in the U.K., it'll be on Netflix Friday, October 4th. So get excited for those of you that don't want to watch illegally. All six episodes will be dropping on October 4th. And then more news, Josh. It's just been a news dump the past week. The season five director, Anthony Byrne, announced that he's also going to be directing season six. He had an interview with British GQ saying that he's currently going over the scripts for season six. And filming, filming will start in early 2020, which means we might not have to wait two full years for season six. It might air in late 2020. Super excited. I'm slowly but surely catching up. I'm binging. I'm pretty sure I can reveal this, but I'm on I'm on season three, episode two right now, and boy, oh boy, do we got a lot to cover, Daniel. Things are getting wild. I'm excited to finish up season one. For those of you just watching, we will not be revealing any spoilers, not going to be talking about anything in season two, three, or four, but don't worry. We're going to have little season recaps at the end of every season for those of you that just want to get as caught up as possible leading into season five. Now let's head into episode five, the highest rated episode so far on IMDb garnering a 9.0, as uh, anything in the nines on IMDb is an impressive feat. 
And since Josh hates him so much, let's have him read the description for today's episode. Here we go. Thomas deals with an IRA chief bent on avenging his cousin's death, and Grace must decide whether her loyalties lie with Campbell or Thomas. This one was this one was pretty basic, spoiler free, but we know how I feel. Directed by Tom Harper, who took the last half of the first season, written by Stephen Knight and Toby Finlay. So Knight adds another writing credit to this episode. We start with our lovely theme song chiming in as Tommy saunters through a cemetery. Oh, so delightful to start this fifth episode. The trees are starting to thin, which means that that gorgeous fall that we've seen the last few episodes is just about done, and it's going to start getting cold out there in Birmingham. Tommy looked Winter is coming. Tommy looks at the tombstone of a Daniel Owen, causing a lot of fans to kind of scratch their heads. It says that Daniel Owen died that year in 1919 at the age of 30. We don't get too much time to look at that tombstone, though, because Polly's going to show up at Ada's flat with a bunch of food from the market trying to feed Ada and the baby. But Ada is still so frustrated and mad that Freddie was thrown into jail. She doesn't want any food from Polly. She doesn't want anything to do with the Shelbys. We see that Polly came a couple days earlier, and the food was still sitting out there rotting. As we see Polly ignored, it cuts quickly to the baby daddy, Freddie Thorne, rotting away in jail. And Josh, he's not looking too good as we see again more skeptics of Tommy because Polly's going to call out Mr. Shelby, saying that Freddie's arrest was his doing, although Tommy disagrees. As we discussed at the end of the last episode, when Polly ever so angrily yells at Tommy, for taking her father away, and she still has that sentiment that it was Tommy's fault, it was Tommy's doing, and Freddie is not looking too hot. Except it kind of was Tommy's doing, he just didn't know it, because now we'll see whose doing it was as Grace is going through the books, implementing a new system where everything is written down, trying to be as legal and professional as possible. Tommy walks in and adds a black star to December 3rd. That's the day that they're going to be taking down Billy Kimba and his men. And it's important to note that Tommy has only told Grace this. He doesn't want to tell his family. He's not really too trustworthy of his family, Josh. Important here because Tommy needs this to go as perfectly as possible. And if he tells a member in his family, you know, they might disagree and they might lash out and go against him. He needs this to go as perfectly as possible. And he tells Grace, everyone in my family hates me. Why would I tell them? So we get to Arthur and John gossiping about Tommy. John is defending his older brother while Arthur is, uh, Arthur isn't so sure that Tommy didn't throw his old mate, Freddie Thorne, under the bus. They're at a boxing ring watching the mask as, they're in a boxing ring watching the match as Arthur asks to see the license of the ring, essentially looking for a payoff here because the Peaky Blinders, they control a lot of the territory. And before we see a fight, Arthur Shelby gets wild. We see Arthur Shelby Sr., Go with that same, uh, that same yell that we heard early in this season. My name is Arthur Shelby. And we get introduced to a fantastic mustache and a brand new character here in episode five. Like father, like son. You can tell he is Arthur Shelby's father. He wants it to be known that he is Arthur Shelby. And he has that thick, thick Irish accent. And you can kind of see that influence on that side and why, you know, Arthur is just like him. So then we see the Shelby father eating at the table, the Shelby household. He's saying grace as uh, Polly is uh, a little skeptic of this uh, newfound love of Christ from her brother. 
Arthur Jr. is uh, called the head of the family by Senior. Let's just call, we'll call Arthur, the guy we know and love, Arthur, and we'll just call the dad Senior. It's easier that way. So we see Senior call him the head of the family, but uh, everyone there is a little skeptical because then we see the real head, Tommy, walk in, who promptly kicks his dad out, saying that they needed him 10 years ago, Josh, as we do get confirmation once again that Finn is a brother to Tommy and John and Arthur and Ada because uh, Senior calls him his son. And then a little bit more arguing here. We get a brand new storyline. We get a new plot line, one that I'm not too fond of, though, one that we've seen before, the con man, the father coming into the Feld. And uh, I think a lot of people are expecting what we're going to get through this episode. The second he comes into the picture, he, he's kind of stirring the pot a little bit. And immediately in this scene, Arthur's kind of being conned, as you say. We'll see what happens. But as Tommy kicks out Arthur Sr., telling him he needed him 10 years ago, Arthur Jr., Jr. Sr., Jr., says, you know, Tommy, I don't think you, you're one to give advice right now. You know, because of you, we're already down a sister because Ada is obviously revolting against the fam for, you know, throwing away Freddie Fulkathorn into jail. And Tommy, Tommy's not going to take it. Tommy's not going to take it. He points his finger sternly at Arthur and says, Arthur, you want to see him? Go with him. And Arthur walks away. Then we get back to the garrison where Grace is starting to prod Arthur about some information, including uh, this payment that she doesn't recognize, the paying to a Daniel Owen. Boom, boom, boom. There we go. That grave that we saw in the opening scene as Arthur quickly clarifies for us that it's Danny Wisbank who is not dead, but instead working in London for the blinders. Arthur's big mouth here lets loose that there is a, there might be something suspicious buried in the grave that Tommy was looking at in that opening scene. In addition, we see Arthur steal some money from the pub that he doesn't want Tommy knowing about. So he flips Grace, a coin or two, but this this is something, Josh, that we're going to have to keep an eye on because Grace is doing some real sleuth work. She's keeping tabs on this. It kind of makes me think, like, how Tommy had Arthur keeping track of the books this whole time and, like, how much better Grace is at doing it and just keeping tabs of everything. She, she, she sees it right away, and instantly he goes, Don't tell Tommy I took this. And it, this is foreshadowing if I've ever seen it. This is not good. This can't be good. Because you know that this money is going to have some significance. Probably something to do with uh, Arthur Sr. coming around. Because next we get to see Arthur Jr. and Sr. Both kind of trash-talking Tommy in that in that uh, ring that we saw earlier. Finn was there too. They're all drinking some beer. Man, Finn, I don't know, what is he, eight? Seven years old? He's a little young to be just casually drinking beers. He's got to be. So Arthur gets asked by his dad about uh, any females. And this is something that we asked what was it, episode three or four? And Arthur mentions, nah. And Arthur Sr. is saying, maybe when, when it suits Tommy, he'll try to set you up like he did your brother John. But Arthur mentions that it hasn't been the same since the war. Finn asks Sr. where he served. And this was a, this was a red flag, the first of a few red flags for Sr. He kind of says, I served all over, and then goes on this maculate story talking about America and how he went as a pilgrim and discovered casinos. And then we start to see this long con building. Maybe it was a short con. Only lasted one episode. But he starts to fill his, his son Arthur Jr.'s mind with these dreams of grandeur and the Shelby Casino. Instantly, he, he, as he begins this little monologue, states, The salvation of Jesus Christ spreads over me. And I'm just like, oh my god, this guy is full of shit. 
like instantly just you can tell he's 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 sconning he, he's uh scamming him goes on saying that he's studied how the american casinos are working he knows how they operate kind of pitching that he has a plan and plays and arthur's buying it and what a gullible man like what a gullible guy just believing him i mean the guy's been away for 10 years he's obviously not the best guy He's obviously left a couple of times, obviously not the best, and you're just gonna let him come back in and you're gonna believe him like that. It's not gonna it's not gonna play out. That's a good point there, because I guess he left ten years ago, so Finn has to be somewhere in that ten to twelve range, maybe. Still probably too young to be drinking, but Arthur and his dad make a deal, essentially, in uh in verbal terms. They they cheers, they say slancha, and then maybe the weirdest scene of the episode as they get into the boxing ring. And uh, Senior beats the shit out of Junior, but then tries to defend him and say, this is my son. You cannot mess with my son. It, it, the whole thing was just was just weird. I told you that this was like the most confusing scene I've, I've seen. And it was one of the most confusing scenes in television that I've watched. Like his father just beating the living shit out of his son. And at, at some point, like Arthur's like, I love you, dad. Like literally as he's bashing his brains in. And I was just really confused by this. I mean, I, I don't know, like, is this showing, like, the ability of Senior to beat the shit out of his son and for his son to still say I love you? Kind of showing what we were talking about before, why he's, you know, believing what he's saying? I don't know. Yeah, there's some real daddy issues for Arthur Jr. As we uh, head back to the garrison, Tommy's going to meet with this man high up in the IRA. His name is Barn, the cousin of Ryan, our guy Ryan, the man that Grace shot and killed after meeting with Tommy. So now that Tommy has asked Danny to set up this parlay, Barn has come across town and wants the guns and is not going to take no for an answer. He mentions how many people have told him about the guns, including a uh, loose-lipped Danny Wizbang, and eventually after being threatened, Tommy has to say yes. Tommy immediately says, when, when this guy is asking for answers, Tommy talks about how when people are in pubs, the whiskey does a lot of the talking. And this guy is not buying it. He wants answers now. And so Tommy spills the beans. He has to. He doesn't do it in like a panicking way, but he, but, but he does it with some intentions in mind with what's going to happen after that. And so Tommy starts to play this separate game of chess that he continues to set up in this episode. He instantly meets with the inspector. We learn the first name of this IRA uh, brigade commander. His name is Malachi Barn. He is the commander of the South Armad IRA. And Campbell and Tommy start to set this trap as uh, Tommy wants to know how Campbell, basically he's trying to get a little bit of information from the inspector. He's saying, how did you find out about Freddie Thorne? And Campbell's like, haven't you heard? Everyone knows it was you. And, uh, and so that starts to set up the, the rest of this episode from the perspective of Tommy and, and the inspector. So we get our A plot and then we have our B plot as our B-plot has Arthur instantly just handing over hundreds and hundreds of pounds to his dad, who calls this investment an acorn, as they are getting ready to meet to sail to America on Friday. So let's keep track of the dates here, because I want to do a little inspecting. So they're going to meet on Friday, and uh, I think we all know that this this might not go as as swimmingly as Arthur Jr. plans. You're kind, you're, you're kind of watching at this point and just shaking your head at Arthur, because, I mean... <laughs> You know the show's going on, and you know that it has more seasons, so you kind of just, like, know for a fact that Arthur is not going to be going to America for this whole time, and it's just, it's just not going to play out well. Then Tommy shows up at the garrison, and this was a scene that kind of shook me because all of the big climax scenes for Stephen Knight have come at the end of episodes, 
But man, oh man, we get one right here in the middle. Tommy shows up to the garrison, lets Grace know that something big is about to happen. Essentially just throwing all of this on her, that the IRA men are going to come. Tommy's probably going to die. He essentially says, I need you to hide in the closet, carry this gun. I do have this deal with the police, but I'm not so sure how much Tommy trusts the coppas. And Josh, crazy shit happens here. Pitts and his, uh, his associate policemen are going to wait outside, clearly waiting for some sort of signal to run in, but they're not really too concerned about the damage being done as they talk about that. We get the door to the garrison being opened and the two IR men, IRA men showing up. And uh, first off, they don't want to drink. They're only here for business as Tommy gives them the business. He shows them a map of the cemetery and trades it for cash, letting them know that they're going to need a shovel. And this is where the mistake is made. The mistake is made when our second IRA man, the one who was with uh, Ryan in the meeting a couple episodes ago, calls Tommy a thick fucking tinker and then gets ready to kill him. And what does he do? Tommy has a fantastic line here. Tommy, and I, I keep on saying in his Tommy Shelby way, but in his Tommy Shelby way, screams, Taba maids, you don't count. And what happens, Daniel? Grace comes out fucking firing, bro. She did not waste any time. Instantly kills the one man. And then we have the battle. The Bond versus Tommy showdown as the two of them scrap. Barn can't get to his gun. Tommy and them uh, get into a little bit of a scuffle where Grace gets an elbow to the face. And just as Tommy is caught in a headlock and maybe seconds away from seeing his peril, he gets a vision of the scene in the tunnel the tunnel, not the cave, with the German, as it looks like, uh, as it looks like here, we might get some clarification of that flashback. I think Danny also saved Tommy's life by stabbing the German with a pipe. That's how it looked. And Tommy gets a bit of a uh, revelation that he needs to uh, stop. He needs to stop fighting clean. And he goes for the family jewels, the Irish jewels, and then bashes Barnes' face in over and over again with a vase. Oh, killing the IRA member. Him and Grace have each committed a uh, one murder here as they grab each other and Tommy basically begs to know why he, she shot him. He wasn't supposed, she wasn't supposed to shoot him apparently. Well, I mean, first I want to point out that in the plan with the, with, with Sergeant Moss, he, they, they have a plan that about a sixth chime that that's the signal. So that's going to come into play in a second. There's so much going on here. So I think we need to break it down. Um, and during that flashback, so Tommy has the, the IRA man, barn by the neck has like in a headlock and that's in in the flashback the the same chokehold is being is being maneuvered so it's kind of like tommy's using his war moments to kind of help him fight and i think that's really important because as much as the war is, is petrifying to him it does help him in these moments i i also just love how this show you know in a lot of shows when there's fighting scenes it's super fake and it's just like punch 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 and they're just like getting up and by, by these punches but this is an actual like scuffle and like scrapple and like they're tumbling on the floor and i just love how realistic it is and as grace shoots this man tommy's petrified there's everything's everything's gone awry and he looks at grace and he goes why did you shoot grace why did you shoot and she says now you've seen me and and he goes and you've seen me and it's just really really powerful grace is so deep in this she's so deep she's so in and you kind of think, was she expecting any of this to happen in the first place? She, she could not have. She's so in deep. And you kind of wonder if she's on the job or if she just is actually falling for Tommy. Yeah, and we realize how important this scene is because it's going to essentially 
change the character arc for our our Grace, the the uh, the Kappa, because she's going to meet with Campbell. Campbell stating that she he had no idea that Tommy was going to throw her in this. And I'm going to make one correction here before we get the email. Tommy was actually the one in the chokehold, so Tommy was actually about to die. Barn had him in that chokehold, and then Tommy started to kick him in the balls. But I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's just a minor, minor thing, just a little slip up from you, but it doesn't really matter. To correct myself, he was in the chokehold in both scenes. So it's kind of like a, a flashback to the war and, you know, he has to get out of the chokehold in some way or another. And so this time he saves himself by doing it, by hitting the family jewels. Right. So that's something to point out. Yeah, that was my apology, but definitely, definitely important. And Sergeant Moss comes in, rolls in, and Tommy looks at him in disgust and anger. And says, you were supposed to come on the sixth fucking chime. Really, really, really pissed off because Tommy almost lost his life. Grace had to get involved. And this could have been avoided if he came in. And then we see Moss essentially say, you know, what happened here? It looked like there was a, a savage beast that, that tore it apart, that tore these two men apart. But really, it was just Tommy and Grace. Because we've seen so many times Campbell compare Tommy and the Peaky Blinders to a beast. And yet Grace here says... That you know the beast was was her in this in this instant. Tommy didn't really want to kill anyone. Nonetheless, the inspector and and Sergeant Moss are going to cover this up, and we get to see a big scene, as I mentioned, for the arc of our Irish maiden because she no longer has a vendetta with the IRA. She feels like her revenge has been seeked, and all is all is forgotten in her mind because she wants to quit. She's done. She wants Campbell to leave Tommy alone. And she wants to give Campbell one last nugget of information as, oh, it's a tough one because uh, Grace tells Campbell where the guns are, Josh. And uh, once again, Campbell gives his uh, meaningless fucking word. He says, yeah, it's on my word that I won't touch Tommy. And here the inspector uh, says something that kind of made me piss the F off because it's kind of like he's acting like he didn't expect this to happen. But he says to Grace, he goes, he goes, you've been living with beasts. And then she goes, it's the beast that tried to stop me, saying, you talk so bad about Tommy Shelby, but, you know, Tommy Shelby's the one who tried to stop me, and it's, it's, it's Tommy Shelby the one that didn't want me to get into this. So it's not the fact that I've been living with beasts, it's the fact that you put me into this, and it's the fact that you created this mess, and it's just kind of powerful. She starts mouthing off to, to Campbell. At first, you know, we see this timid and shy Grace in the first few episodes. And now she's really gaining that confidence. And it's back to being Saturday night here because we see Grace sitting at, singing at the pub, while Campbell has scenes of him digging up the guns. So, Josh, the guns are in the grave. Boom. For those of you that just had this spoiled, you're clearly not watching the episode because uh, Tommy's been hiding the guns in Danny Wisbang's grave. Pretty smart. And now we see three or four scenes all mixed together. Campbell's digging up the guns. Arthur is at the ring by himself. And now this is, I have a question here for you guys at home if you have an answer for me because I don't know, Josh. Maybe you can help me out here because Grace sings on Saturday nights. Arthur Sr. told Arthur Jr. that he was going to meet him on Friday, but here Arthur is waiting. Maybe, you know, they're jumping around with time. Maybe it's like Thursday or Friday, and he's waiting at the ring for his dad to come by, but his dad never shows up. Grace, uh, oh, Grace just, her red flags continue to raise as Tommy finds out that, Tommy finds out that the guns are no longer in the grave, so things are really going to start to speed up. Grace no longer works for Campbell. And we get one of the uh, the least expecting scenes, at least in this episode, as Campbell goes up to Grace. And I watch this one. I watch this one with my mom, and she goes, "He's gonna shoot her now, isn't he? Or he's gonna arrest her now?" And no, it's the opposite. Josh, 
the inspector proposes to Miss Grace. He's so... I, I don't know what he doesn't see. First of all, the age gap. I mean, come on, bro. He doesn't even want love, though. He says, like, I don't need your love. I just need you to understand that we are on the same the wavelength. Some bullshit line, and it just didn't work. Yeah, it, it was weird. He pulls out a ring, asks, asks her to marry him, and obviously she's not about it. She's not about it. And I, I, I was not expecting this. Like, okay, may, I, I thought it was like a father-daughter love kind of thing but he's like now that i'm not i'm no longer your superior like as you said that and i was i was expecting some weird proclamation of love for her to come out and it, and, and it did at that moment i wasn't expecting it throughout the show and she denies she denies him and we start to see that the inspector's judgment of love towards the his judgment is being clouded due to due to his love for her and as he knows that she's starting to have an affinity towards Tommy, it really starts to get in the way of things. And so on the rewatch, in my rewatch, it's obvious. The whole, the first five episodes, it is so obvious how much in love with Grace the inspector was. It was so hard for me to keep my mouth shut recording these episodes because he's like touching her hands and touching her arm and longing gazes. But I think we did a pretty good job, or at least I did because you were watching for the first time, keeping it spoiler free for you guys. And I don't know if we if we can have a more disgusting back-to-back -back scenes than what we have here with Campbell proposing to Grace and then Arthur and his dad at the train station because Arthur got a tip off, I think, from the guy who was running the, the boxing ring that Senior was going to be at the train station. Senior is such a casual scumbag in this scene. He doesn't even say he's sorry. He basically says, you know, like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you, essentially, because... He didn't even, there was no truth in anything he said. It, he lied about America. He lied about the casino. And then instead of giving back the money to Arthur, which obviously he just wants, he almost kills his fucking eldest son. He threatens to cut his throat. Josh, this was gross as we see Arthur just cowering away at the end of the scene. Out in the open too, like at the train station, like about, like threatens, almost cuts, cuts his throat. And you're like, geez, this guy is a grade A scumbag. Great Ace Comeback gives some speech about how it's not the thief that you should be mad at, but you should be mad at yourself for believing the thief kind of thing. And it's it's really disturbing. And, you know, Arthur walks away with his tail between his legs like, a, like the coward he is. And he's going to have to run into the dilemma of spilling the beans about taking that money and what happened to it. Polly makes him tell Tommy. We find out it was 500 pounds. And uh, I'm hoping that's the last we ever see of this fantastic mustache and this awful father. But to be honest, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to get into it. I just I just hope that that's the last that we see of Arthur Sr. Although I would like to see Tommy go and just fucking wreck him for taking the money. Because $500 in 1919 is nearly 6,000... 500 pounds is nearly $6,000 American dollars here in 2019, which is just... That's so much money. Insane. 500, you just walks away with 500 pounds... Just a little quick visit to, you know, visit his, visit his kids and walks away scot-free. Just wild. Back to the police headquarters for, once again, another Inspector Campbell rally speech, except this one's a victory speech, as we see it intertwined with the scene that Tommy goes with Finn to find out that the guns are gone. I might have jumped the gun on that, no pun intended, a little bit ago, as, we, as Tommy 
kind of figures it out. He still doesn't connect the dots, though, that Grace is the one that threw him under the bus. What is this, like the ninth strike? That Grace has struck out three times now in terms of red flags. But Tommy makes a scene that uh, he has a scene here where he basically says, I'm going to have to go away for a while. Things are, uh, things are about, shit's about to hit the fan as Campbell once again goes back on his word in his speech saying that Tommy Shelby is the beginning and the end of what is going on now. And I vividly remember texting you when I saw this scene where he gives this speech about Tommy Shelby is the enemy. He's the one they need to go, go hunt, literally hunt. Talk about, talks about hunting Tommy Shelby. And I, I texted you and I said, the inspector is still going after Tommy and letting his love cloud his judgment. And this is a theme throughout letting his love cloud his judgment. And it's kind of like a, uh, there's, there's, there's several people who are letting their love cloud their judgment. You got Arthur and his, his blind love towards his father like his he wants to love his father he wants to believe him clouding his judgment you have tommy letting his affinity towards grace cloud his judgment with not seeing the red flags and just kind of thinking that she's too perfect that she can't do do any wrong and then you have the inspector letting his love cloud his judgment i think this is a a continuing theme throughout the end of the season it's a great point seeing basically our a plot and our b plot kind of combine as we're now Back at the bar, Harry is warning Grace. Harry, of course, you know, the guy who used to own the pub, warning her that the coppas are coming from all over town just to get Tommy. Grace has this realization that the sky is blue, the grass is green, and the inspector is going to go back on his word. So she's going to go warn Tommy. Tommy basically is going to tell her that he's already going to leave town. But Josh, it's too late because... Finn warns him. Finn is, Finn's a big and integral part of the scene. He's constantly warning everyone about everything. He warns him that the police are right outside, going right down the street, and Grace has to sneak him out the back way as the inspector comes in here. I'll let you paint the picture of what this scene was because this was the epitome of the inspector being the, the, the devilment that he warned everyone about when he first got to Birmingham. He, the, the inspector is kind of doesn't have like the best plan in mind. He's I, I, I wrote down, because I think it's important, he has a rage in his eye and in his voice. Like He is so enraged that he's kind of not thinking sensically, and he's just acting on a whim, and he chimes into the, to the garrison here, and Harry is the first person that, that, that that's greeted, and they ask, where's, where's Tom Shelby? And he goes, never heard of him. And I'm like, oh, Harry, Harry's not going to give it up. And it's like, okay, like come on, they're not going to believe that. And then Finn... Finn, Finn, Finn. I love this so much. Finn goes, you'll never find him. Wow, man. Finn is getting involved, man. He doesn't care. He, he doesn't care. He'll never find him. Um, and Grace, at, at this point, is using her shelf as a literal shield to, to, to kind of have Inspector Campbell not go after Tommy. Because as long as, as long as Grace is with Tommy, the Inspector is not going to go after him. And here's the third instance of love, you know, blinding you because the inspector is going to use his love for Grace and it's going to come back to bite him. He nearly blows Harry's head off before finally the, the bar manager snitches that Grace took Tommy to uh, her place, most likely. And that forces Campbell to cut it off, call off the, the chase. And the Campbell, the Campbell gaze is going to get, get bad here because he's going to go over to Grace's place. He's going to look through the window and what is he going to see? Because now we jump over to the inside of Grace's apartment where Tommy Shelby chooses to have tea instead of uh, rum, which is, you know, a good sign for our, uh, our loyal leader. And the anticipation is just wild because I remember thinking, Josh, three things are going to happen here. One of three. Either they're going to get caught, they're going to have sex, or Grace is going to tell Tommy 
about her being a kappa. And Josh, it's B. It's B, baby. It's B. And it's just such a creepy scene, too, because I I believe Tommy and Grace, they, 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 they chime back to their scene. I, I don't know. I think it was in, season, in episode three or and where, where Tommy asks Grace to dance, and she says, if you ask me properly. And they, they reenact that, and they finally get to have their dance alone together. And so the inspector is kind of, you know, behind an alleyway, behind a wall, watching the window. And, and he can see a little, sil- like, the silhouette of their two bodies dancing. And he can't tell if they're kissing, if they're intimate or, or not. And it's just so creepy. Like, he's, like, stalking them. It's like, okay, bro, like, you know they're there. You don't need to watch them. They're together there. The only thing that you're doing is just watching to see if they're, you know, doing the thing. So it, it was just weird for me. The inspectors just give me bad vibes. Yeah, it was a good old-fashioned callback there with the uh, dancing properly scene. And now we see Tommy laying down, getting ready to sleep for maybe the first time without drugs since the war. He doesn't hear the shovels against the wall, with, which that, that line gave me goosebumps. It was awesome to see. It's just the first time you're just happy. You're just so happy for everything. And then Tommy turns over and looks at his love and asks her if, uh, if she will help him with, with everything. And it's just, he goes on this long line of things that he wants her to help him with, with making them legal, with, you know, quieting his brain. And it was, it was a beautiful scene. And that's why this felt like a season finale. Because if, if Stephen Knight was into uh, happy endings, this would be the season finale. Um, our next scene is, is not the happiest scene, but the, the way the episode ends is fantastic. As uh, we get to that next scene, Arthur is hammered, trying to box anyone that will take him. Nobody wants to box him. No one wants to kick his ass, so they kind of let him go. And, uh, and I, think he, uh, I think he starts to realize something as he starts to cry. Maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing. It turns out Arthur doesn't want to live anymore, and it is a bad thing. He steps on a stool, puts a rope around his neck, fastens it to a hook, and jumps off. And I counted this, Josh. I counted it out. 19 seconds. Stephen Knight and, uh, and Mr. Harper, the director, let us sit for 19 seconds, and I swear Arthur was dead in my mind. You know what? They did it. They did a Game of Thrones, and they killed one of the main characters in the first season, but no, in the 20th second, the rope snaps, and Arthur can't even fucking kill himself correctly. And I texted you, and I was like, oh, my God, he's going he's gonna to kill himself. And then I said, oh, no, it's going to snap. It's going to snap. And you, and you didn't say anything because you want me to watch it. And you were like, good call, good call. And it was like the fifth second where I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to snap. It's going to snap. And, but there was, I was going back and forth within this, these 19 seconds, these tense 19 seconds, because it's not out of the ordinary. You know, Arthur is a very important character, and he is you know, the oldest Shelby, and he is the brother of Tommy. But it's not out of the ordinary to, to, to kill off a character of this nature. You know, he's important, but the show would have gone on for sure, in my opinion. But I was not expecting it to snap, and then at the end I was like, "It's gonna snap," and I'm like, "Oh wait, no! This is like too much of a you know of a Game of Thrones caliber. They don't care who dies, kind of show to snap." Like that's all going through my head within those 19 seconds, and it was it was powerful. It was a really it was a really crazy scene. Now the penultimate scene of our penultimate episode, as the inspector tells Winston Churchill that the guns are found, but he's electing to stay in Birmingham to tidy up one last matter, as we see that matter walk into his house see Arthur with the mark on his neck and kind of just kind of laugh at him, telling him that he should have used a gun, that Polly told him about the 500 pounds, that everything might be going wrong for Arthur right now. But he says, what does he say? Tommy says to Arthur, uh, 
just as things are starting to go right, Arthur, you go and do this. And then he kind of jokes around and he tells him that, you know, he he wished they wished to use a gun and he actually did this so they could split it. So him and John can split the affairs 50-50 because John, Arthur, and Tommy are now equal partners of the business. And he, he, he makes light of it and tells him that he would rather him kill himself because then him and John could split it down the middle. Yep, it's officially Shelby Brothers Limited. Tommy gives Arthur a business card just for him, the associate bookmaker that he had printed just that afternoon. And this is where we get the uh, joyous episode finale that, you know, a bit of a montage as Tommy walks into the booking headquarters. Everyone is happy and saying hi to him and he's smiling. And it's got this faded filter that shows it, you know, almost like fading into the sunlight. And as I mentioned, on a happy show, that would be the end of, end of the season. Instead, it's just the end of our penultimate episode. I, re I, I vividly remember Tommy walking into the light, and I thought it had extreme significance. As a viewer, if you're watching at that moment, and not in hindsight, you're thinking things are going well. You know, Tommy does, Tommy's gone through so much in this episode, you know, almost being killed with the IRA men. You know, the inspector has his guns. What, you know, everything's, everything's in the back burner. Tommy cannot focus on business and business only and his family. He's not, you know, even though Ada is kind of, you know, protesting the family and is not with them, he doesn't have to deal with Freddie Thorne. He doesn't have to deal with Ada being on an arrest warrant. And so things are kind of shaping up for Tommy, or so we think. So now, I'll be honest, this was one of the first episodes that I watched that didn't have me just jumping to watch the next episode. It was almost the only one that didn't have a cliffhanger, which was a little out of the ordinary for a penultimate episode, usually, especially for a show like this, where every episode leads right into the next one, perfect for a uh, platform like Netflix. But, I mean, I thought, it was, I thought it was an okay episode, to be honest. I didn't think it was a top episode in this season. I was a little, I'm a little, like, uh, I don't know, like, off of the con father coming back. I feel like I've seen it ten times where he cons his son or his daughter or a family member, and I was just happy, Josh, that it was limited to just this episode. It was a one-episode arc for Arthur Shelby Sr., because every time he was on the screen, I'm like, come on, give us something better. Give us the Inspector and Grace and Tommy and John. You know, we didn't see any John after a John episode in episode four. I, it's not that I dislike the episode. It's just a, it's kind of like the one where you know that it's setting up. So for someone who was watching this for the first time, I knew episode six was going to be a banger. Because I knew it was setting up things. I knew things were about to happen. You don't you don't see the Billy Kimbas. You don't see you know the the really really big players. You know that are that are enemies with Tommy. You know in, in the picture. And but the thing that I did like about the episode, aside from the con story, which I agree was just I I was not into it. I could have done without it. They could have just explained. But I mean they they kind of needed to show who the father was, which which is important. I mean, I don't think it needed to take up a lot of the episode, but I, I think it was important just to show what kind of man he is and what kind of, you know, why the Shelby brothers are so important to the family. But a lot did, you know, transpire, you know, setting up things, you know, wrapping up storylines. We don't have to, you know, you kind of thought the guns were going to be a main factor th for throughout maybe the rest of the show. And I was kind of waiting for the gun storyline to wrap up. And I'm happy that the, the, gr that the Grace Inspector, you know, little uh meeting thing is not going to happen anymore at, at the nice museum i'm kind of happy that grace and, and and tommy are progressing a little more and you know it, it was it was important in that aspect to, to kind of develop plot lines there was an a a b and a c and they were developing fast and i thought it was a really really good episode in that sense 
but it, it I I do feel you. It wasn't a, it wasn't as action packed besides that one scene, and I really think it set up episode six perfectly, as we will discuss soon. And we're going to bang out episode six and post it sometime soon for you guys. Make sure to subscribe and follow so you get either an update or it automatically pops into your phone. Go like us on Facebook.com slash Peaky Podcast or on Twitter at By Order of Peaky. We love the feedback, so keep it coming on social media or by email at B-O-O-T Peaky Blinders at gmail.com. He's Josh, I'm Daniel, and we binge so you don't have to. Past the steps On a gathering storm Comes a tall handsome man In a dusty black coat With a red right hand <laughs>